joined right now by a very special guest, Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, going to help us get a little bit of a BYU perspective and uh, a rivalry game that's kind of been re-energized this week. So I, I guess I'll start right there. Um, you know, I know what this rivalry means to Wyoming fans and especially the players and coaches that took part of it, but what's kind of uh, just the BYU mindset, um, you know, with these two rivals finally meeting again in the regular season? Well, you've got a head coach who played in the game, and, and, and that helps, right? I mean, Kalani Sitake doesn't need a lot of reminding as to what BYU and Wyoming meant in the past. His head coach was Lavelle Edwards. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that, that we start right there. That, that's a good element to have in this game is a head coach who played in this game, right? And, and the fact that he's also coached against Wyoming already. Uh, the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl, although it was not a scheduled game, uh, it, it, it was it was a game that was put together featuring two former conference rivals. And so we've already had that experience of seeing BYU and Wyoming meet since BYU left the Mountain West. So it's not as if this is a, the breaking of the ice, so to speak. It's already happened. They get to play again. Uh, and, and, you know, for someone like myself, uh, my first year on the BYU football radio crew was uh, back in 1992, 30 years ago. So I got a, a pretty steady diet of BYU and Wyoming for a number of years before uh, the, the move to football independence happened. So, uh, you know, outside of Utah and Utah State, BYU's played Wyoming more than any other team in its football history. And that's also part of this thing, too, is once you leave the state of Utah, Wyoming is the most common football opponent in BYU football program history. I think that's, a, that's an important element as well. Right. And, you know, talking to people around the Wyoming program, you know, a lot, especially to the players and coaches involved, it, to them, it seems like this game has just as much, if not more significance than the Colorado State rivalry, looking back to the 90s and things like that. Um, you know, why is it you think that this rivalry has, you know, such a unique nature just outside of the obviously the geographic proximity? Yeah, you know, there, there, there's the neighboring, uh, uh, you know, component, you know, they, these are bordering states. And so it's a natural thing, like you said, geographically, it makes some sense. But I think uh, over time, uh, you have, uh, you have events, you have, uh, you have incidents, you have uh, grudges, you have the kind of things that make up athletic rivalries, you know, and, and, and I, I think um, it's never, it, there, there's been a, a few rough edges, but, but not the hardest of edges to where it's it's just straight acrimony. I think there's a lot of appreciation, at least from my standpoint, appreciation for uh, the rivalry from a, a competitive and uh, an enjoyment stance. Uh, it's not something you grit your teeth and, and have to play. I, I think to me, it was always an enjoyable uh, an enjoyable competition uh, to look forward to. Um, I, I think there was a lot more angst and acrimony built into BYU and Utah than there would ever be for BYU and Wyoming. Uh, for a lot of obvious reasons, but yet there was still that, um, again, that, 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 that edge, you know, kind of rough around the edges that made it uh, just a, a little bit something, you know, uh, more special. Right. And, uh, you know, just, you know, a lot of Wyoming fans, especially the younger ones that are students now, um, you know, they don't know what it's like to, to go down to Provo for a game, you know, what's kind of just a, a sneak preview into what those first timers can expect this weekend. Yeah, well, the environment's a little different, I would say, since 2010 when, when Wyoming first visited um, in terms of uh, how the stadium looks and feels, uh, the creature comforts. Uh, there have been some additions made structurally to the corners uh, of the stadium. Uh, the pregame vibe is quite different than it was 12 years ago. They've created something called Cougar Canyon that opens three hours before kickoff, and, and it takes up the entire street between 
uh, Lavelle Bridge Stadium on the west side and the parking lots on the west side. So that becomes a very involved pregame, um, uh, you know, kind of activity center with the, the football pregame show, the TV pregame show, the radio pregame show, uh, lots going on. So from, a, from an environment and vibe standpoint, it's a lot busier than it was uh, 12 years ago. And then I think uh, you know the, the the fan engagement in the stadium is 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 even is is great is much greater than it was uh, 12 years ago as well. So there's a lot more around the game than there used to be. I, I think fans will find when they come here. But I will think also too that that they'll find um, a certain hospitality and a certain friendliness and a certain um, willingness of the fans to truly welcome the opposing fan base to Lavelle Bird Stadium. I've heard a lot from and about Baylor fans who came here a couple of weeks ago. You always had only one home game to this point, but the Baylor fans who came went back to their, to their, to their home state uh, really impressed by how they felt at Lavelle Bird Stadium as a visiting fan base. And um, and and so that, that that's an interesting thing to to hear from people who have maybe not been here before. Wyoming fans probably have visited Provo before, but I hope they get that same kind of sense and feel like it's a friendly place to come. Yes, your competitors, yes, your rivals, but we welcome you. Right, and you mentioned the Baylor game. Obviously, had a huge win to start things off over a top ten team. You know, had the win against South Florida, and then had a setback last week. Um, you know, yeah. just kind of what do you make of you know the first three weeks of BYU season? Yeah, I mean, the, the the those two wins did exactly what BYU hoped they would do. Uh, the Cougars opened the season in the AP Top 25 and found themselves in the top 15 two weeks later. Uh, so the Oregon game was the springboard game. Like that was the game that now sets you up. If you win that game, you're in the con- you're, you're in the conversation for the New Year's Six already, like immediately. And it didn't happen. So it's a drop back. It's a step back. It's as Kalani called it a missed opportunity. Uh, there was a real chance there for BYU to do some special things, and they 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 didn't um, you know didn't rise to the occasion on that day. And uh, you know whether whether the environment was too big, uh, too unfamiliar, um, who knows? But Oregon you know has won 21 straight home games. Right? They've won 29 straight non-conference home games going back 14 years. So not everyone goes into Oregon expecting to walk out of there with a, with a victory. But that said, BYU played uh, not very much like it did the week before uh, against Baylor. And that's disappointing because you think you know a couple of things about your team. Then you have that kind of rude awakening uh, has, to, you know, kind of a reset button of sorts. You know, who are we? Where are we? How are we going to look the rest of the year? Because things don't get a ton easier. I mean, you, you go back to back Mountain West teams. At home, mind you, but Wyoming, Utah State, back to back. Then it's Notre Dame, and then and Arkansas, back to back. Right after that, uh, so and even though Notre Dame slipped at the start, they're still Notre Dame, and they're coming back. Arkansas is a nationally ranked team, uh, so you know there are landmines all over the schedule for BYU right now. So at two and one, not quite sure yet what this team will look like. If they're four and one. Maybe better a better a better idea, but still that Notre Dame Arkansas swing looms large. You know, and I think that's the next real big barometer for BYU is going away from home to Vegas to play Notre Dame and then taking on a ranked SEC team. Where are you really? Because I think you know these next two games at home, BYU has to have you know the the belief that you know these are, these are games you know, that, that they have to take care of. Um, and, and there's no looking past Wyoming, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they, they just beat a really good Air Force team and, and did it in a low-scoring fashion. BYU's not been winning low-scoring games. Um, in fact, it's now been 19 straight losses when they score fewer than 21 points. Um, so they're not winning the kind of games Wyoming won last week. 
Okay, so if BYU is scoring in the teens, they're probably not winning that game. So, and Wyoming's probably content to play that kind of game against BYU. Establish your ground game, shorten the game. If they could defend the run like they did against Air Force, holding them to 100 and whatever yards it was, that, that's remarkable. So for a BYU team struggling to run the football as they have the last two weeks, Wyoming has to see this as a golden opportunity to basically execute the same game plan against Air Force, albeit different schematically, execute the same game plan and hope to get out of Provo with a W. There's a big game for BYU that way. Cause again, the expectation is okay. We'll come home, you know, we'll get better. Uh, we'll figure some things out, but uh, what Wyoming just did to air force has to be a major red flag for BYU. Right. And you mentioned the struggles in the running game. Also, I know there's a couple of key guys that are kind of, you know, in, up in the air with injuries and things like, of that sort of um, wide receiver for BYU. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the run game, you know, the numbers on their face don't look too bad, but 70% of those yards came in the first game. All right. So BYU's run for almost 500, but 312 yards came against USF, almost nothing against Baylor and very little against Oregon. So the Cougars have to have to prove they can still establish a run game. And I think Wyoming's a stout team. And, and again, I, I just think you don't do to Air Force what Wyoming just did and not have the ability to stop the run at a really high level. And so that's a concern for BYU. Jaron Hall's been throwing it fine, and the Cougars' throw numbers are okay. And even without Romney and Nakua, uh, who've not – I mean, that's the other thing, too, is well, – I'll get to that in a second. But even without Romney and Nakua, uh, the pass game's been okay. It's the run game that really needs to get going right now. And back to Romney and Nakua for a second. Coming into the year, those were the undisputed top two receiving weapons. Well, Romney hasn't played a snap. And Naku has played seven minutes, you know, and you've already played three games and you can't get those guys on the field. That's a concern. Um, BYU's now played 16 games, Josh, with those two guys on the roster. They've caught passes in the same game seven times. Okay. So they're good. They're great. And, and yet they don't play together very often. One of the, one of the other is banged up, or at this point, they're both banged up. That's been a concern for BYU is not having those weapons on the field at the same time. And as for this weekend, who knows? It's been week to week every week. Yeah, and, you know, as you mentioned, Jaron Hall's been fine throwing the ball. Just, you know, how, how important is he going to be to their success this week? And also just kind of, you know, what's the thing that stood out and impressed you the most, you know, throughout, you know, the adversity they've faced this year? Well, it's a good thing they've had Jaron Hall because he's turned the ball over only one time in three games and is making a ton of right decisions. It's really not on Jaron Hall at this point. Um, they've struggled in the red zone. They struggled to score points kicking, and they're missing really important playmakers on the outside. But Jaron's doing everything he can around that. I will say we maybe haven't seen the full Jaron Hall experience yet in terms of one of those games where he throws for 250 to 350 and runs for 75 to 120. Like so he's never had he hasn't had that explosive game yet, and he's an explosive player. And so we're still waiting for those game-breaking moments from Jaron Hall on the ground. I'm sure part of it is judicious by design, uh, but yet I think he's averaging only 20 positive rush yards per game right now. And, and he's, he's, you know, way more athletic than that. Um, yet on the flip side of it, as I say that, is he hasn't played a full season yet either because he gets hurt. Um, and, and the way he plays, as good a playmaker as he is, he exposes himself to risk. So do you take – Fewer rushing yards, but more productivity because he stays on the field. You probably do, uh, as opposed to risking him, getting him hurt, and having to rely on a backup. 
um, but having had the full Jaron Hall experience. So that's really kind of the, the balancing act BYU's trying to pull off right now. But I, I think it's been hampered by the fact that you're, you're down weapons, uh, that they're going to lose another weapon with a tight end answer, uh, quitting the team and entering, entering the transfer portal. Uh, and their kicking game has struggled right now. They're not scoring points when they need to through the kicking game. And that's another issue for BYU to overcome. All right, just last question for you. You know, in your opinion, what's going to be the key to BYU getting out there and getting back on track with a win on Saturday? Well, I, I often go to how they perform on third down and how and, and how BYU performs um, in the turnover margin. And yet against Oregon, they were plus one on the margin, uh, were plus 50% on, on third downs and were even in the game. So it had to be other things. And, and the other thing on Saturday was lack of productivity on the ground. Christopher Brooks, Lopini Katoa, even Jackson McChesney have got to find a way behind that pretty vaunted offensive line to gain positive ground uh, rushing. They can't have another one of these 60, 70, 80 yard games, I don't think, and have the success they want against Wyoming. Because coming into this year, Josh, offensive line got a lot of attention. Like BYU's got this experienced group back. They bring in an Oregon transfer from Kingsley Suamataia on at right tackle. This should be a great offensive line. And in the first game against USF, you could say that's as advertised. But the last two games have called into question just how good the group is at getting push. And, and not every line is going to be Baylor and Oregon. I get that. But uh, as we talked, as I talked earlier, if you can do that to Air Force, you've got a good run-stopping defense. And so how does BYU do this week against what might be perceived to be a step down maybe in caliber? But I'm not going to buy that until I see it because I'm that impressed with Wyoming right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll go to ground game and red zone. Um, they're, they're an okay red zone team and only that. In fact, I'm not going to say they're okay. Compared to where they were last couple of years, they were a top 25, top 10 team in red zone scoring and red zone touchdowns. Well, they're in the hundreds right now. And yes, it's only early three games in, but those numbers have to come up for BYU to have the kind of season they hope to have. So um, ground game establishment and, and finishing in the red zone with points and touchdowns uh, would be two real keys for me on, on Saturday. You heard from Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars. Greg, really appreciate it. And I'll see you out there on Saturday in Provo. Josh, look forward to seeing you and welcoming uh, Wyoming fans and media back to Lavelle Stadium. Thanks.